The Astros are pushing the limits of how long you can slump while still calling a slow start, but there is help eminently on the horizon. We'll also take a look at some solutions outside of the organization. It's all next on episode 22 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. Welcome to Stone Cold Shows. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by senior content contributor Charlie Palolo. You should check out his weekly column on sportsmap.com. It really is good stuff. Uh, Josh Jordan is back uh, and uh, recovered from the draft uh, for all purposes. Uh, everything that Josh does, check out him on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter at JoshJordan975. Uh, follow Charlie Palolo at Palolo on Twitter. Charlie, Josh, welcome in. Hello, guys. When's the, when's the launch kicking in for the Astros? I guess that's the big question. Is the launch to kick in for the Astros? Josh made his return. Let's talk about some returns because pitching has been pretty good for the Astros thus far. It has been the offense that has been very much lacking. We talked about a little bit on this channel last week. I saw some conversations with John and, and Josh uh, talking about just you know how bad it's been. Um, McCormick and Michael Brantley, uh, as in Chaz McCormick and Michael Brantley look to be on schedule to return this week, maybe a day apart. Jose Altuve in a much needed, uh, burst of good news we got was he may be available as soon as the end of the month. So my question to you guys is this, does, does this fix what ails this Astros team? I don't want to go far go so far as to say largely, but of course, I mean it's to the point of it can't possibly hurt. Uh, I think the expectation bar on Michael Brantley needs to be set at a reasonable level. But his power had been in decline for four straight years, but he is a competent get-on-base guy. That he just hit 250 at Sugarland, whatever. It's the shoulder remained in its socket, and he's finding his timing and playing a little first base. But Brantley is a professional batter even if he's just slapping singles and occasional doubles and the very very occasional home run the batting average is good and he takes walks and at the top of the Astros lineup you know and it's not to blame Mauricio Dubon because he's a journeyman utility guy but the feel-good story that was Dubon essentially has stopped feeling good the batting average in the 280 still 290 swell but he never walks essentially it's embarrassing three walks drawn in 122 at bats, but sure. Just keep running them out there in the leadoff spot every day. So his on base percentage stinks, barely 300 Alex Bregman. Speaking of stink, maybe we'll circle back to that Astros on the corners. Just fantastic. These days, uh, Bregman's batting 195. His on base percentage is higher than the leadoff batter. But if you have a guy in steep decline, basically back to his career norm batting first, Bregman, who's just been a lousy offensive player this season, batting second. Well, get them out there. Altuve, Brantley in. How can that possibly not make you measurably better almost immediately? Yeah, for me, it's Altuve because he's, you know, a right-handed hitter that's a power hitter. I know McCormick's a right-handed hitter too, but not on the level Altuve is. And, you know, tip of the cap to Chandler Rome. But Astros are getting a 677 OPS and a 367 slugging percentage from the right-handed hitters. It has been Tucker and Jordan just carrying these guys. So to get somebody with some thump back in the lineup when Altuve returns, I think it's going to be huge. And 
I know we're in the, oh, it's still a small sample size part of the season, but just looking at the numbers where they are now as a team, OPS, they're 26th in the league. Slugging, 27th in the league. Homers, 24th in the league. We look back to last year. This isn't the sample size of to this point last year. It's the whole season last year. OPS, 7th. Slugging, 5th in the league. So they're really going from the worst five or six teams, you know, now they're one of the worst five or six teams in these categories to where they're one of the best five or six teams in these categories. So really hasn't been the pitching as much as it's been the hitting. It's just simply been a poor offense, right? Maldonado stinks, always has, does, always will offensively. Uh, Abreu, relentless disaster, you know, that he lines a double on a mistake pitch Sunday in Seattle. whoop de doo right? Blind squirrels find acorns. He is showing no consistency whatsoever of quality at bats. Alex Bregman, three for his last 39. That's a batting average of 77. Not 177, 77. As the Astros move down the coast from Seattle to Anaheim, you can't just be hemorrhaging outs at that many spots in your lineup and be all right. Uh, Jordan... Uh, hasn't been going off of late, but certainly still been really good. And if it's a timely at bat, you just expect him to come through. Uh, Kyle Tucker, the last couple of weeks has actually tailed off. And, you know, if not for a non strike three called in the ninth inning that a pitch later, he crushes for a game winning home run. We might be saying, Hey, you know, Kyle Tucker, you need to pick it up too. But basically this lineup has two guys who've been pulling their weight season long to this point to be guys in a good offense, Tuck and Jordan. Uh, Dubon, the 20-game hitting streak when he's hitting way over his head. But right now, he's a bad leadoff hitter. Right? His OPS sub-700 now. Uh, Bregman, a nightmare. Abreu, by all means, just keep penciling him in the cleanup spot virtually every day. Uh, how about a mental health day off or two or three or four? Abreu's played every game so far this season. Well, when you have a paucity of alternatives, uh, all right, Abreu's going to – the only way to hit your way out of a slump is to keep hitting. Well, the only way to dig a deeper ditch is to keep digging. Um, you know, one home run now in 89 games for Abreu, dating to August of last year, still sitting on zero with the Astros. If Alex Cintron had come up with a mechanical, mechanical adjustment that needed to be made, that'll uh, fix the world with Abreu. And Cintron was not worried about Abreu at all. Well, maybe it's time Alex really shares that secret uh, with Jose Abreu. Uh, still a lot of season left, still a lot of season left, but less by the day, right? At the end of this week, the season will be one quarter old, but I will throw in the proviso. 17 and 17, you know, three and a half behind the Rangers. It's not like you need a telescope to see them starting the week, and you're hoping to leave Anaheim at least ahead of the Angels still. Uh, but I'll go back to 2017, and this team is simply not as good as this one. And we'll, of course, get to the pitching. Right, The lineup is the present day. Can some guys get more hits than they are, please? Uh, but two starters down without legit replacements that you're thinking are sustainable, the leaks that have sprung in the bullpen. But amplifying Josh's point, the Astros are second in the American League in earned run average, right? Only behind the Rays. So the pitching you'd expect is going to tail off in terms of rotational quality the longer you go without Garcia and Ender Keedy. Uh, and the bullpen you still accept to stabilize. They have enough decent options that you think you put it together. But they're not going to have a bad offense and be a 95-win team. Right? They don't need to be 2017 or 2019's offense, but they continue with what they are. Well, then they're not a playoff team. Their margin of error is gone. Well, you get Altuve and Brantley back performing at decent levels. Altuve doesn't have to be third for MVP, great Altuve. Uh, Brantley's not going to be 2019 Michael Brantley, but just good, solid, everyday major leaguers. And that is a B12 shot for a lineup in dire need of it. 
maybe the returns give Dusty Baker an excuse to move the lineup uh, around a little bit and kind of shake it up without there being a overt sign of, hey, this is because you're not producing uh, Jose Abreu. Uh, you mentioned it, Charlie. It's just the mar. Even with those guys coming back, the margin for error is just so thin. And outside of a big homer in Seattle, uh, Jordan hasn't looked exactly great since coming back from that sore neck. Uh, you've gotten way more than you could have expected out of Dubon and Jolks and even Myers. Uh, you've gotten way more out of them you could have expected. That's helped you stick around near 500. Uh, but as you said, Dubon and Jolks continue. They they're starting to look like, uh, you know, they're turning back into you know the the players who we expected them to be or closer to who they they are. Jolks has, I believe, the broadcast said the lowest walk percentage of all eligible players in the league right now. He's drawn uh, one in in yes. over eighty at bats. So you know, very superficially, hey, he's hitting two seventy three. He's doing well. No, he's not. Side base percentage is two eighty seven. Limited power OPS in the, in the six sixties. Again, that's not on Corey Jolks, right? He's 27 years old and just getting to the major leagues. Nice story and had a couple timely hits, the game winner in Atlanta. But if you're asking for Jolks and Dubon over longer periods of time to keep the, the boat afloat, you're going to be sinking offensively. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's it's the depth that worries me. I You know, again, like I, it's going to be nice to have uh, – you know, Jose Altuve back. Maldi is somehow worse at the plate and seemingly behind the plate this season. Uh, so sure, just let him hit in the eighth inning in Sunday in Seattle. Uh, yeah. I know Yonder Diaz has not flourished, but late game, if you're carrying three catchers, one, your bench is very thin. Nevertheless, anyone off that bench, and maybe one-third of the people in the stands, would be a better offensive option than having Maldonado just lead off the eighth inning uh, but if you're going to keep row, row, rowing your boat down your stream uh, that way over and over and over endlessly, at, at some point you go from the stream to a creek and where's the paddle? Yeah. And and I just don't know uh, how much you can, again, it's like we, we, it's, you set your watch by, I don't have one, but if I did, I would set my watch by it. It's usually in May is when we're asking these questions about dusty and scratching our head and going, what is it? What are these lineups? We literally, this is the same like trajectory. Now the difference is, is that there are some major concerns on this team. There isn't a Justin Verlander in that starting rotation. And now you've lost your four and five or three and four, however you want to designate them as in your starting rotation. But uh, you've you've lost now since our last broadcast. Uh, you know, Astros have lost Luis Garcia to an eventual TJ surgery. So that that's another area of depth that you are concerned about. Over the weekend, Bob Nightingale reports that the White Sox won't re-sign uh, Lucas Giolito at the end of the season. He's twenty nine. He's turning 20, 29 this summer. Uh, he's one and two over seven games started. He has a three six seven ERA. I don't know how much he's going to cost, but should the Astros at least look at putting together a package to bring over again? You're not, you know, I, I don't know. You're not in imperative trouble right now, but you don't know if McCullers is coming back. You don't know when Arquides is coming back and how effective he'll be once he comes back from the inflammation is, you know, we heard over uh, the weekend, Dana Brown say, you know, they're probably not going to look at any trades imminently. They'll look closer to the trade deadline, but is Giolito an option for this team or someone like him? Well, the fish generally don't jump into the boat, right? So uh, you have to cast your line. 
and where the Astros will be on Giolito or if better pitchers become available as we move more deeply into the season and more teams get to where, all right, we're going to pull the plug or sell off or whatever to, to move off, off talent salaries. Um, there will be a threshold on a bunch of guys where the Astros just can't compete, right? The farm system is weak. They just don't have much to offer in terms of major league ready prospects Right. The only good position prospect they have right now that you'd say, oh, he could really be the prime piece for a quality player is Drew Gilbert. He's the one untouchable in the in the Astros system at, at this point. So if the White Sox don't get a bid from the Dodgers or the Rays or any of the two dozen teams with better minor league systems than the Astros, the Texas Rangers, and you can get him where the White Sox are just kind of buying lottery tickets, you know, a ball prospects which is the way the Astros got that. Uh, just, just give me that young Cuban guy, Jordan, one of those Jordan Alvarez's you have for Josh Fields. Uh, if the White Sox, that's going to be the market on Giolito, you'd think it'd be a little bit hotter than, than the Josh Fields market was back in 2017. The, the Astros can only bid so much because the farm system is, is poor, right? And Dana Brown can't fix that in his first six months on the job. Yeah, and when you start jumping in this early, it's about leverage. They know you're desperate. They see your IL. They're going to ask for more than they even think it's worth. So it's kind of tricky, but maybe if you get out ahead of it, you won't be in that feeding frenzy when it gets really close to the deadline. So maybe you could take advantage of it there, but they're also kind of hoping McCullers is going to come back, and they're hoping Urquidy will be back by the, you know the, uh, the deadline. So I think Dana Brown's going to kind of – take this day by day and just kind of feel it out. It's a tough place to be in because you don't know how long McCullers will be back when he returns and, and Urquidy too. I mean, he's coming off another injury. You don't know how long he'll be, you know, be able to do it. And Belak does, he scares me guys. He, he gets out of some, some tight jams over and over again, but I mean, he's not a major league legit star. He's just not 27 years old. He just does not have the stuff. His minor league track record doesn't say, well, maybe, uh, and, uh, by a different token, uh, what a what a fun debut and didn't inspire me to grow a stash. Not like I could have done one in 48 hours anyway, or 48 days of that quality. Uh, but, you know, maybe J.P. France is going to be a, a revelation, but you don't bank on that if you're the Astros. But if he's okay and you're down two months of Urquidy, is McCullers back in a month? Is he back in six weeks? McCullers should get here first since at least he's throwing off a mound, and we know Urquidy's nowhere close to that. Um you know, if if the month of May closes and the Astros have lost more ground, right, they have two series with Oakland coming up within the next three weeks. You know, if you're losing ground the rest of this month to where you're six, seven games behind the Rangers and the entire American League East is five, six games ahead of you, you know, then you're getting into a, a little bit of a danger zone. So I think it bears watching uh, any legit back of rotation major league pitching candidate. Dana Brown needs to make an offer. But as we all know, it's not as simple as you make the offer and, and they take it, right? The tango requires two, and the Astros may just not have enough stuff in the in the wardrobe to, to be a dancing partner for a pitcher that you're saying, all right, that measurably upgrades the rotation. But Dana Brown has to try. Or he could leave it to Jim Crane and Jeff Bagwell. And, and, what, uh, and whatever the case, this shines a bright light on the organizational depth issues that this team faces that, as you point out Dana Brown is on the clock to remedy but the realistic part of this is that there are no fast answers to what ails the Astros organizationally right now guys if you spent 
five minutes in the Astro section of the Bird app, uh, as we like to call it. Uh, there's one hot topic on the uh, fingers of uh, fans. And after Saturday's game, the Montero-Stanic joint that resulted in two out, seven run implosion in the eighth, a lot of fans are lumping Rafael Montero's contract in with Jose Abreu's as part of that uh, Jim Crane, Jeff Bagwell coalition uh, of, of decisions that were made in the absence of a GM. Uh, I just wanted to get your guys' take on this since it is such the hot topic. Is that fair? Is it is it fair to compare those two contracts right now, Montero and Abreu? Uh, I would say in Montero's case, now he's had a couple of, of poor outings, but as a relief pitcher, I mean, really season long where we have guys throwing 60, 70 innings, that's it. But when you've thrown just 12, 15, 18 innings, if you go have one outing or in two thirds of an inning, you get blown up and you give up three, four runs. I mean, warps your ERA in a hurry. Uh, Montero was an overpay off one good season in the major leagues in his thirties to go three years, 11 and a half million per or a year earlier, they wouldn't go to three years, 24 on Kendall Graveman. Uh, so three years, 34 and a half, it was an overpay, but you know, not a catastrophic. What if Jacob deGrom's arm falls off and the Rangers five years, 185 million, but it was an overpay. That said, it's not as if it hamstrung the Astros from making other moves unless a self-imposed salary cap, uh, had them do that. Um, but Montero was fantastic last season, right? Meanwhile, Stanek. Uh, his use to me has been curious since really late last season when his ERA was barely one and couldn't find work basically in the postseason unless it was mop-up stuff. You know, his command can be off and, well, you make one mistake after you walk a guy and can be part of a big inning. Um, so, uh, sure, uh, I said off-air before we started up here, love, war, and baseball, all's fair in terms of assessing and making judgments, and we just try to rein in the insane and, and talking things out. Uh, but Montero overall has not been good this season, but uh, he's he's Mariano Rivera compared to what Jose Abreu has been at first base. Yeah, I I understand you're going to compare them because it was Crane and Bagwell basically making these moves, and they they didn't seem very blame it all on Reggie Jackson, Josh. Yeah, put it on the red. Mr. October needs to catch some too, right? But. I can understand how you would see that, hey, this doesn't feel like a typical Astros kind of move. But I will say this. John and I talked about it on the video the other day. The Abreu deal, the Astros are reluctant to give out a 10-year deal because they don't want the last three years of those 10-year deals where the player isn't very good and they're way overpaid. With Abreu, they just went out and signed him for those last three years of what, in this kind of theory, would have been a 10-year deal. You're signing up for ages 36, 37, and 38 at over $20 million a year. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me to where you don't want to pay Kyle Tucker on a long-term contract, but you'll play a Brayu just for the backside of, of something like that. So I don't put that with Montero. That's just a short-term three-year deal. They know Stan is going to be a free agent this year. They know that uh, Naris could be gone after this year. So they were kind of stacking things like Charlie has mentioned on the show before, getting prepared that maybe some of those guys leave. And as far as Montero, his ERA was 277 before the other night's game it jumped all the way to five two seven abreu has been terrible all year now you can just look at the numbers and say montero's terrible after one outing so putting them in the same they're not in the same ballpark they're not in the same city and there's still time for redemption for jose abreu but it's just it's just been bleak bleaker bleaker i don't know what bleakest is but if you're not there when you're 
OPS is in the 520 range. Uh, how, how low can you go? And it's not as if he's compensating defensively. But they had a dire need, and he'd been a, a good, dependable um, run producer for years. You know, we don't know what proportion of the decision-making Jeff Bagwell had. You know, did Bagwell see himself a little bit in Abreu and just a relentlessly consistent year after year run producer, a gamer who hardly ever missed games? Maybe Jeff Bagwell failed to calculate, well, what if 36-year-old Jose Abreu has some 36-year-old Jeff Bagwell in him where Bagwell was just was just done? Of course, Abreu didn't have any sort of injury problem that would make you think, hey, how, how can he be this, this abominably bad so far? Yet he's been in the lineup every freaking game so far this season, and I know they have limited alternatives, thin bench, no one else you're going to call up, but to not have one day off somewhere along the way, and let me briefly piggyback that, Dusty needs to get off the, oh, I have to split up Jordan and Kyle Tucker no matter what not with a giant millstone between them. And it's not as if this decision gets made. Dusty's a genius because it works out. Good decisions can flop just as lousy decisions can work out. That's baseball. That's life. Uh, but the, the Sunday game, for instance, in Seattle, where Jordan gets on to lead off the ninth inning, tying run comes to the plate, and Abreu hits a feeble little chopper up the middle for an easy double play. Uh, I'm not saying that if Kyle Tucker is batting cleanup, he automatically hits the game-tying home run. But I want him up before I get Abreu up there. And if the point is, well, they just pitch around Tucker. Well, they're just going to pitch around him to put first and second, the tying runs on base, and you're scared to death to have Abreu up, come up in that situation. Well, what the hell is he doing in the lineup to begin with? Uh, certainly in the cleanup spot. So when Altuve and Brantley get back, unless Dusty's thinking, well, I'm going to lead off Brantley because I certainly can't go lefty, lefty, lefty. They have what we're hoping are four competent offensive players until Bregman pulls his head out. The lineup should be Altuve one against right-handed pitching, absolutely. Altuve one, Brantley two, Jordan three, Tucker four, probably Bregman five, and then whatever uh, after that. Uh, But the absolute refusal to go Jordan, Tucker back-to-back, it's just... Daffy, Daffy Dusty on this one. Yeah, for me, the the Abreu uh, ground has been tilled, if not over-tilled. So I, I'm going to go back to the Montero contract. And for me, I think a lot of the, let's call it what it is, a lot of the uh, revision uh, comments, revisionary comments on this, I think do include some context, though, because – Montero got this contract after having one good season. He was in 2021 DFA. That's how they were able to, to get him in a deal was he had been de- designated for assignment ended the year with like a six, three, nine ERA unbelievable in 22. Uh, but then was signed to that, that, that three-year deal. And for me, Josh, uh, you know, you mentioned his ERA in which it's, it's been excellent uh, over the past couple of years outside of now in which it's over five. But for me with, with Montero, it's not the ERA that tells the full story with Rafael Montero. It's about his whip number. And coming into Saturday's game, he had a whip that I believe was uh, verging on uh, one and a half. Uh, after that game, he's now at, at one one six eight. That's he just puts a lot of guys on bases. And we look back at the postseason last year. The, the uh, Ryan Presley was asked. 
in multiple situations in the postseason to come in and get four and five, uh, if not six out saves, because you know uh, Montero or some other part of the bullpen would would get in trouble late in the game. So it seems that Montero's ERA doesn't always tell the story of sometimes he's a powder keg waiting to explode. And what we saw uh, Saturday night, I think, was a culmination of what happens when you don't have elite defense backing you uh, behind uh, a struggling pitcher because Montero came in, couldn't find the zone, uh, two, you know, two out walk, uh, which, you know, always killers. And then, you know, obviously no one could have foreseen seven runs being put up within a two, a two out, um, you know, with, with two outs on the board. Um, so, so to me, I, I don't, I don't know again, like, I, I don't think this is a bad contract. I definitely think it's unfair just to answer the, the initial question. I definitely think it's unfair to lump these two contracts in with one another. I guess the thing that would have made me feel a little better about this contract. And again, hindsight, right. Uh, was maybe if it's a two year with a third of a, of a team option in which maybe, you know, maybe it's the same amount, but maybe the Astros get a little bit of uh, risk mitigation on that third year so that you're not running this guy all the way up uh, to 39 without any sort of insurance against that final year. But it, it is what it is. Is it, Do you guys think that's just, would that be more of a contract that I think is more palatable to everyone or I mean, if if Montero turns this around, no one's complain, even complaining about this contract, right? Are are we even talking about this because this was a one game sample and and just Abreu has been so bad, so it's just lumping everything into it one was a conversation. Crushing loss. It was a crushing loss, yeah. you know, having that lead that way, and, and you know, you thought they had that game wrapped up, that you would have the series wrapped up, and to go out like that, people are going to talk about it, but. Why aren't we? How bad was Stanek in that exact same game? Stanek's got an even higher whip than Montero does. Stanek's is at one eight five is his whip, and his ERA is over five too. So, I mean, this is another guy they really counted on, and it just it hasn't gone well for him this season. So, but I'm not going to bury my head in the sand. Montero's got to pitch better. I think his his average against is over three hundred. That that's that's not what you're looking for. He's got to pitch better. He's got to hit the strike zone better. There, there's improvement to be made, but. He's not killing you. We know how relief pitchers kind of go up and down from year to year. I mean, think of what Maton was last year, and he's yep. been lights out this year. Yep. Montero could come out and be terrific next season. And, you know, anywhere from 9 to $11 million bucks for a setup-type pitcher, that's kind of about the going rate. Astros just kind of on the top side of that, around 11. I just I think if, if it would have been Click that signed him, I, I don't know if we'd be hearing, you know, all this outcry, that you know, lumping Montero in with Abreu. If Montero goes down in flames and he was a one hit, one season wonder, it's not devastating to the Astros payroll going forward. I mean, all teams have contracts that work out. Yeah. You want to avoid the 11 year, 280 million or Contreras with the Cardinals. Wait, he's not our catcher. He got here 20 minutes ago, five years, 87 and a half million dollar type contract. Um, And they're 17 and 17 and, and Astro fan Astro themselves frustrations are, are higher this deeply into the season. And then we've been accustomed to around here for quite some time. Um, I don't even know if people got worked up in frustration over 2020 with the funkiness of the short COVID season. You know, it's like fans could go to the game and boo if that was their, their emotion of the moment. But every once in a while you need to chalk it up to crazy. You know what happens. Two out, no one on, up three nothing. And if you turned in for the night and woke up in the morning, you know, what the hell? 
Uh, and it reminded me of a game years ago, 2001 or so, when Billy Wagner was great, right? Billy the Kid lights out, worthy Hall of Famer, uh, maybe future Hall of Famer now, finally, Billy Wagner. Uh, they were playing at the Pirates, who were in a phase of uh, their history where they were for hunger. And Wagner's on the mound going in to just finish it off in the ninth inning. 7-2 lead. Two out, nobody on. And 10, 15 minutes later, however long it took, the Pirates won the game off Billy Wagner. Brian Giles hit a three-run walk-off home run after the Pirates strung up, strung together, hit after hit after hit. Uh, it was about as amazing a one inning. What just happened uh, that I think I've ever seen? Uh, so, you know, it was one night in early May that if the Astros get the ship right or wind up in the playoffs at, in any fashion, that, uh, you know, it's, it's a faint footnote if that. Of course, if they miss out on a wild card spot by one game, May 6th, I'll never forget it for, for no. many years. One quick thing there I wanted to mention, too, is just Astros fans, you're losing Urquidy, you're using, losing Luis Garcia, and then J.P. France comes out and pitches damn well, and you're going like, all right, well, you know, we're going to be okay maybe here. And then you get that total flop from Montero and you blow it and just kind of all that goodwill, all that, Oh, I think we're going to be okay. Just goes right out the door. So I think that was a big part of it. It was. And um, while uh, Jose Abreu struggles or well document, we've, we've probably talked about Jose Abreu as much as anybody on this team without having any of these topics be about Jose Abreu, Alex Bregman, uh, Jose Abreu struggles are well documented and, and have been adjudicated as such on social media to this point. Um, besides the Montero debate, uh, the other debate that I'm seeing a lot on social media amongst fans is about Bregman. I'm seeing that, you know, Bregman's struggles are being hidden by Abreu's struggles. Is, is that, is that fair? Or are Abreu's, uh, or is that Jose Abreu's struggles masking, uh, criticisms that we would be otherwise making about Alex Bregman right now? To an extent, yes. Uh, multiple factors involved. One, while Bregman stinks so far this season on balance, he hasn't been a Breu bad because if your name is not Martin Maldonado, offensively, it's hard to be a Breu bad, as bad as he's been so far. But I think a fundamental factor Alex Bregman has been a star here. So there's a reservoir of goodwill, a reservoir of astral performance, a reservoir of expectation, uh, a reservoir of sluggish Bregman starts from which he's extricated himself. So I think that all cuts in, in Bregman's uh, favor in terms of the new kid on the block getting uh, more brunt of criticism than Bregman. But Bregman's been lousy so far this season. Uh, if not for the walks, he'd be a Breu-esque. Uh, Bregman's been a 98-pound weakling, four doubles, four home runs. He's slugging 320, 320. The batting average, 195. Now, at least he does draw the walk, so the on-base percentage isn't pitiful. And since he's batting at the, the top of the lineup, at least that gives you something. But he's also one of the slowest players on the team, so he's not a base-stealing threat. You know, he's not going to go first to home on a double unless it's in a deep gap somewhere. Um, he has not been a net winning player so far this season. Uh, my broader concern on Bregman he was last an elite player in 2019, right? He's 29 years old now, and, well, we want him to be an Astro for life. Yeah, 10 years, $300 million for the Bregman of post-2019? I don't think so. Um, you know, the elite third baseman grouping, and here's the caveat that we're still not one quarter of the way through the season. 
Nolan Arenado with the Cardinals so far this year. Uh, Manny Machado's picked it up with the Padres, but you know he's not MVP runner-up level so far this season. Uh, Rafael Devers, beast. Jose Ramirez, beast. Uh, Bregman has been as good as those guys uh, over the last several seasons. So I don't know where he's going to settle in. His final numbers last year were just fine when he seemingly figured it out and was tremendous over the last two months of the season. Well, I guess he didn't figure it out with rollover into the to the following season. So where is Bregman going to wind up? If it's back at the very good player level, that's fine if other things pick up and you get Altuve back and you get a contribution from Brantley. Um, but, you know, if the idea is that Alex Bregman is a superstar, a $30, $35 million player, and of course you need to lock him up until 2030. No, not this year and not really what off we've seen in the last three, four years. Dot, dot, dot. The Astros have zero third baseman in their farm system that you think, oh, there's there's an heir apparent unless someone chooses to wildly overrate Joe Perez. Yeah, I I think he's getting covered up a little bit just like everybody else. But Bregman's not 36 years old. You know, there's still hope that he's going to turn it around and, and be fine. And you're not on the hook for his 36, 37, and 38-year-old seasons. Bregman's also playing good defense. You know, that's something he brings with him to the ballpark every day. So as Charlie mentioned, he's got that goodwill. You know, the back half of last season, he was really good, back up to what you'd expect from Bregman's numbers over the course of his career. So, yeah, you're going to get a break when you're Alex Bregman and you got two rings. And he was so clutch in the playoffs last season. I mean, he was terrific. So that wasn't that long ago (laughs) when he was doing that in October. So we're going to give Bregman a little bit of a pass and because we've seen it before from him. And that's fair, fair, unfair. Uh, we're used to seeing Bregman up close and personal with our own eyes. And so while Abreu's reputation may be the same, uh, we've seen Bregman run into home runs this year. And I know his slugging's not where we'd want it, but Bregman's run into run into home runs that still show that he has power in the bat and that his is a mechanical thing. When you're saying a Abreu's is a mechanical thing, or at least we're hearing that from Alex Centrone or like the guys that are in charge of fixing him. I don't know that that bad speed is something that can be fixed mechanically outside of just guessing on pitches. Whereas Bregman, there clearly looks like there is a mechanical issue there. We're we're not used to seeing him take uh, pitches for you know strike threes. This is something that we've seen year after year for him, where he eventually works it out. And again, as much as the broadcast carries water for Jose Abreu and they do a fine job of it. You know, when they talk about his exit velo being up there and Oh, you, he had 107, but it was right at somebody. Yeah. Except for it's the exit velo combined with the trajectory. Whereas, you know, uh, Alex Bregman, when he runs into one can still put it in the Crawford boxes or well above. Uh, so I don't have as much, uh, concern there, but I do have concern about what is the long-term plan there. Charlie, you mentioned Alex Bregman's speed. Uh, this is now multiple seasons in which he's gone into deep slumps in the regular season. He tends to figure it out when it matters, uh, which was always kind of the, the kind of knock on Correa, which was that the numbers during the seasons weren't consistent, but he always, uh, showed up when it counted. Uh, so you, you, you kind of alluded to a little bit, you can't necessarily think it's a given that he gets re-signed given the fact that, again, all those things that I just mentioned, the, the speed around the base path and his uh, 
seemingly the regularity in which he's going into these deep slumps during the season, right? Like this isn't a foregone conclusion that he gets extended on this team. Yeah, to engage in even a five-year, $150 million extension at this point, to me, would be ridiculous. That's taken him out through his age 35 season, and I want to see what he is over the rest of this year and next. And if he does get back on what we think of as a normal Bregman track, though in full season numbers, he was last on that track in, in 2019, um, but you know, you do need to, if, if you're still in a phase where you're expecting to win, and be a contender and still pursue more division championships and beyond. You do need to cover all the spots in the lineup, not at obscenely stupid money, but until your farm system is producing good, regular, everyday players again, well, what are you going to do? And Bregman and Altuve up at the, at the same time. Uh, I think the reality with Bregman, even at just 29 years old, his very best baseball is probably behind him in terms of full season stuff. Now, in part, that's because 2018 and 2019, he was awesome. A top five MVP finish and then the, the runner-up finish to where you certainly had an argument for him uh, over Trout. Um, but 29, you're typically past your absolute physical peak. Uh, they measure everything these days. And Bregman was never a burner, never a base dealer guy. But to this point in the season, the metrics, he's one of the 20% slowest guys in Major League Baseball. Um, so if that's, you know, not that quick twitch running muscles, wherever his thing, but if there's a little chip away, little erosion there, and maybe his hands aren't quite as quick at the plate. At his contact rate, it's not like he's striking out by the bushel full. But when he makes contact, a lot of lazy fly balls to, to right field. Um, you know, just pop-ups, not as much hard contact. And to amplify on Abreu, anyone explaining, well, you know, if this, if that on Abreu, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. It's so bad. By any legitimate or fantastical measure, he has been a nonstop sinkhole of performance this season. And I'll give him one last time. Uh, I guess next week we still won't be to May 16th, but just about. On May 16th last year, he woke up batting 197. Well, he's in the 220s now, but he wasn't completely devoid of power last year in addition to the batting average being a 220. Uh, a cleanup hitter on a nightly basis with an OPS of 520. You know, the, the Royals and Tigers of the world, I think, uh, laugh at that, but that's what the Astros have in their lineup virtually every night. And I think that's why he's getting so much heat, guys. Abreu, because Dusty keeps running him out there in the four hole, and you see how many times he just kills you. I mean, it's just so apparent that it's like you don't have a chance. So you know, Ian Bregman, the two guys played every inning. Yeah, yeah, Bregman's played all the Abreu's played all these games. We know about Tucker, but that's the thing when it's right in front of your face like that. It's kind of on Dusty why Abreu is taking some more of these bullets because he keeps putting him out there in the four spot. And that makes me think too, when McCormick comes back, how much is that going to matter? He, he was having trouble getting playing time over Jake Myers before Jake's actually been pretty good. You know, I, I don't know how much it's going to change until Brantley and Altuve are back. I think and with, I think with McCormick returning though, I think what that does is give Dusty a little bit of flexibility and being able to rest Tucker because he's said to this point that he really hasn't had uh, the, de the defensive, I guess, tools to be able to uh, rest Tucker. So maybe that gives him the ability to either put Tucker in the DH or rest him. 
So the 36-year-old guy, not worth a damn so far. He's in there every day, come hell or high water. Uh, but the 26-year-old right fielder, who's one of your two consistent forces of quality in the lineup, boy, we got to get him a day off. Got to get him a day off when they've had every Thursday off now for, for like six weeks. Uh, but every little bit helps if McCormick can pick up where he was, uh, where he left off uh, statistically. Um, but uh, geez, to just run a Brayu out in a cleanup spot. Well, he has a track record. He has a track record. Well, he now has uh, about a six-week track record with the Astros. That you need to try something else. I'm not saying send him to the end of the bench and and forget about him for good. Uh, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right now, it's broke. So try a little something to fix it, or just shake it up. A little bit. Right? He batted sixth once in a game last week. First time in his career. It needs to be a steady diet of that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, once Altuve and, and Brantley are both here. Yeah. And it, it is interesting uh, the amount of, uh, I guess, flack he's taken in the cleanup spot when they've moved Alex Bregman up in the order. And now he's hitting under 200 in this two hole. We'll just have to see how it plays out. I mean, I, I think uh, the lineup thing is about the consistency of uh, that can affect the consistency of how we are winning day in, day out. But if these guys aren't producing, it's not going to matter in what order that they're in come playoff time or should there even be a, a playoff time at this point, which is sacrilege to say in Houston, but we're, you know, we're deep becoming more deep into the season. As I talked about in the open uh, at the cold open is the Astros are pushing the limits over how long you can call something a slump before it just is who they are. Uh, that brings us to our bottom line question of the week. This is where I pose a question. Everybody gets a chance to answer. Uh, so uh, as I pose it to my co-hosts, everybody who's watching this, please put it, uh, your answers in the comments in the section below. And, um, Guys, we had uh, the good news over the weekend that Jose Altuve is ahead of schedule. There is some thought that perhaps he will be back by the end of this month, May. So my question is this, will Jose Abreu hit a home run before Jose Altuve returns? Uh, as an Astro, Jose Altuve, not as a space cowboy or hook, wherever they send him out for, for rehab. No, I'm not going to qualify. It's him him on the main roster. Well, being the cockeyed fanboy homer that I am, Abreu will probably hit one 475 off Otani Tuesday night in Anaheim. Uh, as pathetic as he's been, and it's well over a month, and he's sitting on that donut with the Astros. But if we say Altuve is going out for rehab this weekend, and it's just a week there, he's back as – Soon as May 19th. Oh, boy. I'm going to give Abreu one last benefit of the doubt because that's just the kind of guy I am. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'll go the other side. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong, but we're sitting here talking about Bregman. I'm like, he has more than zero home runs, guys. So yep. just putting that out there. Yep. I'm I'm gonna go with Josh on this, uh, and I've never been called a uh, cockeyed optimist or a fanboy of the team. Although I probably am the latter, I have been called an uncharismatic guy with host with a crooked beard by our commenters. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm I'm gonna go with no on that, and that's just because I like to bet on the trends, and I haven't really seen anything out of Jose Abreu that could tell me. But 
what I'm hoping is that in the much of the same way that every time we do one of these podcasts, that the new cycle tends to step on it. I'm hoping that by the time uh, th this video gets released, well, I mean, this video get released, I'm, I'm sure sooner, but by the time this video gets released, I'm hoping that we will be on the verge of, if not already witnessing a grand, massive uh, Jose uh, Abreu home run. So I'm just having a, a serious shift in focus to concern for those obsessed with your facial hair. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is what it is, but those are the comments. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. So guys, that's it for episode 22 of Stone Cold Strows. I want to thank my co-hosts, Charlie and Josh. Thank our producer, Jack. Uh, we will be back next week. Same time, same place, same bat channel, hopefully with some more wins to report on and hopefully with two additional uh, roster spots filled by incoming healthy and productive Astros players. Until then, go Astros.